0: Welcome to Bugs and Beards, the podcast home for everything fly fishing and fly tying. Kick back as we sit down and talk with some of your favorite fly tires and fishermen while we discuss with them the tips and techniques they've learned on the river and behind the vise so that you can use those lessons learned to make your time more effective. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of the Bugs and Beard podcast, uh, Pat and I are back and going to freshen things up and we're going to start season two off and going to get into a little bit like where we left season one off with uh, just a chat and tossing things back and forth between each other and uh, we had some good responses to that. I know I had some people say some stuff that they really like that show and uh, so we're going to keep with that theme a little bit and we're going to bring you some good guests this season. And uh, I'm sure when I get out on the show scene, I'm going to pick up a couple of the guys that you want to hear from and that stuff too. But for the most part, we're going to mix in some good, just chat, chit-chat between the two of us. And uh, what do you think about it this year, Pat?
1: Kind of excited see what this year brings and hopefully get out and do a little bit more fishing. Go back to our last episode, now I can add six flies.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah?
1: After our smallmouth trip we had this summer. I could definitely add a Euro streamer into that. Man, we slayed the smallmouth that day.
0: Yes, we did. That was good. I, and uh, I've been fishing that for trout, and I would definitely, definitely add that into my list. Oh, we, no doubt. I don't know which one we bump out, but that that would definitely have <laughs> to be on the list of the top.
1: Yeah, that That yeah. was very productive.
0: Yeah, Euro jig. Um I have, a, I have a video on my YouTube channel of that, the Euro Jig. It's a Lance Egan pattern. Actually, a Pat Weiss pattern, I think. Yes. Pat Weiss pattern. He shared it with Lance Egan. Lance Egan put the video.
1: Tie it in multiple colors.
0: Yes. And it was, it worked in multiple colors.
1: Yes, it did.
0: Um, the smallmouth loved the silver.
1: Yes. Represented like the, a little mini. Like the olive. The olive that day we were out was just crazy.
0: Yeah. In dirty water, we were fishing dark, you know, black. Yeah. I actually tied some of them up to her, uh I'm heading next weekend to Alaska. I don't know if I told you.
1: Yes, I kind of got the feeling.
0: Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Lots of pink. Oh, yeah, I think I did. I sent you a picture of my box full of pink stuff for Grayling. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So some of those were gray jigs with a black body and a pink tail.
1: Definitely take lots of pictures.
0: Yeah, I'm going to. I hope I catch one. So
1: Watch out for the bears, no doubt.
0: Yeah, we're going to have to get some bu- or bear spray when we land. <laughs> So just a short weekend trip, but we're going to try to fit. We're going to do some sightseeing. We're we're really excited about it. We're going to fly into Anchorage for three days, spend three days on the ground there and fly back. Just a long weekend trip. And uh, drive around Parks Highway, head up towards Denali, and just jump out and fish wherever we can find some water.
1: Yeah, they'll see me getting snow, won't they?
0: Um, Actually, it's end of, middle of September when we're going up. And, um, average temperatures like 60 to 65 for a high and 40 for a low in the evening. So
1: that's almost what it has been here
0: close. It's been a little higher here, but yeah, but it's like, uh, 30% chance of rain every day from now until Mm. forever out there. Man, we need rain. (laughs) Yes. We need rain bad here.
1: Finally got the temperatures. Cricks are where they need to be temperature wise, but no water.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I actually just had to. Um, one of our pastors at my church, he just te- texted me and sent me a picture of a big palomino he caught today. Mm. And uh, I said, oh, nice. I said, there's actually some water up there. And he says, well, just a little bit.
1: That <laughs> it yeah. is, it's a shame. Yeah. We definitely need some water.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. It's feast or famine with the water oh, around man. here. And and it runs off so quick. We get, The ground's so dry, it hits and runs off and you get a little bit of color for one day, and it's gone.
1: Yeah, because we had good rain there last week. We had two good days of solid rain, and it never really bumped the crick. No. It really didn't even off-color a crick.
0: It off-colored uh, the Frankie by the shop for about a day, but, I mean, it was a, it was one solid day, and that was it. It was gone, and it was just off-color. It didn't bring it up at all.
1: And still not fishable.
0: No, it's too <laughs> low. It's too low.
1: It's coming. It'll come.
0: Definitely. But, um, today what we're going to get into talking about is what makes a good Euro nymph. Last time we talked about some patterns and of course, you know, we're both nymph and guys. So there was a lot of nymphs on our list of flies, but today we're going to talk about the qualities that make a good Euro nymph. So, um, I don't know. How do you feel about it? What's, what's your strong point or how, do, how do I want to say it? i, I you know, if we had our choice, we're gonna be your nymph, and when I go to Alaska, I'm gonna be your own and in Alaska. You know, so I know in my mind what I want in a fly. What do you look for in a fly?
1: I definitely try to keep it thin. You definitely gotta stay thin.
0: Yeah, definitely thin, thin for the wind. Yeah.
1: I mean, in the beginning, it was you. You tied, you thought you were tying heavy, and then we got away from heavy, and we even pertagons, and I I can still look back over different things on Instagram and see people that tie pertagons, where, and I did the same thing when I first started tying pertagons, it was almost like a cone.
0: Yeah, like an ice cream cone.
1: Thin at the tail, perfect, you know, direct, exact same size of the bead. Yeah. And now, to me, I have a gradual, slight, slight taper. You just, you don't need all
0: that. Yeah, you're almost covering the hook. Yep. And, and you know, running it right to the bead.
1: Less and, is more.
0: Yeah, and your taper, your taper now is your whip finish.
1: Yes, yep.
0: More or less, yeah. Yeah, I know that's the way. There, I mean, there are a few of my protagon patterns one that's been working for us this year was the spring chicken pattern. That is crazy. And you kind of have, because of the amount of material that's put into that, you kind of have to build a little bit of a taper up on that one. Yeah. So, I mean, they fish. Don't get me wrong. It's it's going to fish just as well. But I have found that less is more, just like you said. Yep.
1: Yeah, flies <clears throat> the flies you put less into and you can keep skinnier are going to sink faster. Your yep. sink rate's going to improve, and it'll definitely get to the bottom faster. And that's even with dubbing. Oh, waltz worms. I used to, waltz worms were the same way. I'd make them thin at the back where I tied in the tail, and it was all but to the size of the bee when I got up there. Now it's just enough to cover the hook.
0: Yep. I Whenever I started out, and actually my video from, well, six or so years ago on the waltz worm, the first one I put out, I mean, it's a big buggy looking. Looks like a big fat, uh, not even a millworm, a grub worm, <laughs> I, I guess you would say. I mean, it was big and fat. That's the way I fished them, and you know, the funny thing is, is I would fish them. The, I would catch fish on them. The fish would chew all that dubbing off. It would get down to the wire.
1: Down to the lid.
0: And that's when I would really catch the fish on it. <laughs> when it cut here. and I never put that together until now. But
1: down to the lid.
0: Yeah. But we kind of, we, we made a list, and uh, we're, we're going to kind of go off that list of keys that make a good good nymph, And uh, we picked six things. We could probably write more, and maybe some of them overlap. But um, for key factors that make a good Euro-nymph, what number one, I'm going to say, number one and number two on my list is minimalism and proportion. And they're kind of along the same thing, but but they're not. And by minimalism is is what I mean was exactly what Pat was talking about here a second ago. You know, thin is in, you want to keep everything as small and minimal material as you can. And I know that collars, I used to make big humongous collars. And that's one thing that's really cut down on me now.
1: Oh, I was the same way. Glow bright, man. I love glow bright now. Well, even if I use Glow bright, I try to move my hotspot back to the tail, and it's just a fraction. I mean, just enough to see it. And I actually moved it back, except for my pertagons to the tail. Because to me, that's a key point. That's where I want the fish to focus. I want them to hit at the back of the hook yeah, instead well, of the head of the that hook. That makes sense. Yep. That was something I played around with for a while. I had it in the front went to the back. And actually Tim Kamase and I when we fished this spring, we had this exact same conversation. And he kind of agreed it's in the back to me is where they're going to key. And that's where you want them to key where the point of the hook is.
0: Oh, well, no, doubt. and that's where you want them to hit too. Like you don't you know, that was one of the things and back to that Euro jig One of the things whenever we started tying it that I couldn't get was tying that big long tail on it. I could never, I was always afraid of a short strike. Whenever I tied woolly buggers, it was always a short tail because I didn't want a short strike. But it works, and and there's a lot of action in that tail.
1: And I think that, especially that day we were out smallmouth fishing. I mean, we did use it for trout this spring and, you know, early part of summer, but man the action we were fishing clear water we were fishing down blue raised yeah. down dam yeah water was crystal clear and i mean the action that come off of that that thing looked just like a leech yep swimming through the water it was it was nice it was good
0: yeah so i i think probably the biggest thing with your nymph is minimalism i mean i think that's probably the one of the biggest keys that i've learned when I've seen boxes of really good competitive fishermen that we know, you know, one guy in particular I can think of offhand, it's a box of size 16s, and they're all the same, just a touch of dubbing. and You know, it, there's just barely anything to it, so minimalism.
1: Well, that goes back to at the end of the day when you lose a lot of flies, you're coming in and you got a tie, To put back into your box even as a guide you're spending less time at device more time on the water
0: right that that is true that's very true so along that same line but kind of completely different is proportion and by proportion is your abdomen proportionate to your thorax is your thorax you know proportionate to your head of the fly so Keeping it thin and keeping it minimal, but also at the same time, you know, keeping everything in proportion is a key factor for any kind of fly tying. But, uh, you know, it's the same goes for nymph fishing, too.
1: Oh, no doubt. No doubt. I agree with that
0: 100%. I know we, uh, actually, my next video is going to be a stone fly pattern. It's one that we found online, and uh, it's called the Death Stone. I don't know if you saw the Death Stone or not. No. It's a really, really cool stone fly pattern. I'm not going to describe it Well, by the time the podcast gets out, the video is probably going to be out. Oh, thanks. But anyway, um, it's a really cool fly, and we were trying to figure out what materials go into it. A guy came into the shop and said, hey, he said, break this down for me. Do a video of it. I want to know how to tie it. And um, I said, okay. So I figured it out. And then him and dad, when I was at work the next day, him and dad tried to tie it. And I used what the original guy used, and he used dumbbell eyes. and Not dumbbell eyes, bead chain eyes. The bead chain eyes were proportionate to the body of the fly. With Dad and his tying, he put a better dumbbell eyes. And the dumbbell eyes just look huge (laughs) compared to the rest of the fly. Now, you're going to get a better sink with the dumbbell eyes. But the dumbbell eyes glared compared to the rest of the body of the fly. So proportion is a very important thing to keep the fly flowing and looking correct and stuff like that. So
1: Yeah. But if you're tying Euro, your, you could tie some ugly flies. Oh,
0: you can, that you, can you very, very can. Yeah. And, and that's a, that's one key to your new thing that when I guide one thing, I stress and it, it sounds, when I say this, it's going to sound weird to hear it, but it's, presentation over presentation and It's the same word but it's the way you present the fly to the fish over what you're presenting to the fish it's more how that how it passes that fish's nose than what you're putting past that fish's
1: nose that's right it does not have to be the exact hatch that's coming off that you swore in your first couple of years you fished that I have to have the right fly. I didn't catch no fish today because I didn't have this. I didn't have that. Now you're going out, you're fishing, catching tons of fish on flies that aren't even in a creek. Right, right. Because most your flies, they kind of resemble, but they really don't even look nothing close Right. to what's there.
0: Yeah, I mean, you almost throw... Match of the hatch out the window with your own. Yep, I mean, I hate to say that, be, but, you know, when the blue-winged olives are coming off, you're going to be throwing, uh, say it for me.
1: France fly. France fly,
0: yeah. I, I always, that one always slips my mind. But France fly. When blue-winged olives comes off, you're going to be throwing a France fly.
1: All day long.
0: But then when the blue-winged olives are done, you're still throwing a you're France fly. You're still
1: throwing a France fly. Right. <laughs> I throw France fly a lot.
0: Yeah. So in, in in that sense, match the hatch kinda goes out the window.
1: You just tie it in different colors. Yeah. You could fish it year round.
0: And that's the thing. It's you know, there's so many different bugs in the water. Oh man. And and, and I I guess we're gonna get into we're gonna touch on like the France Fly a little bit in later on in our podcast here, but probably the next thing I would say, the next important thing would be sink rate. Would you agree with that?
1: I definitely agree. When I first started, to me, to get to the bottom, I needed the thigh heavy. I needed size 12s, big heavy beads. Oh, I had a stone Gordon. fly on all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And now, since we have fished with Gordon, and basically it all boiled down to tippet, playing with your tippet. And once you can get that into your head, that, that long Euro rod's going to protect that 6X, six and a half, seven 7-tippet. You can chuck size 16s and get them to the bottom the same as you can a 12. Mm-hmm. You're going to find that the 12s and the 14s, I very seldom tie. I mean, I have a box for heavier water in the spring. Right. But those bugs are more of a hindrance because they're constantly stuck on the bottom. Yeah. Yep. Now that I've gotten into it. Yep. But yeah, it's definitely it's night and day. To me it's a tippet thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean your tippet definitely controls your sink rate, but you're also you know, you're also controlling that with your bead. What size bead oh, yeah. you're using and stuff too, but and also with your along with the sink rate, like you're not going to be using Lively legs, or something like that. Yeah. Something Some that's going to fall, something yeah. that's going to act like a parachute as it's falling through the water, back to minimal, you know, minimalization on it, and keeping it thin. So you don't want anything that's going to hold to fly up from its sink.
1: That's right. You want it natural. Yeah. Natural fall.
0: Except when you're fishing a mop fly. <laughs> There's nothing nothing natural about the mop and
1: <laughs> that could be a whole show in itself. It
0: has its own sync rate. Yes. So it's I don't,
1: kind of a glide.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. And I actually well, we won't get into that. Mops are a different story. Anyhow, off the mop subject. <laughs> sink rate's a big thing. You want it to get as fast as you can in the fish's face. Yep. So, you know, however, whatever you have to do to.
1: If you got to go with a size 18 and a four mil bead, (laughs) you can do her. Yeah, you can. Or you You can can. lighten up on your tippet and still do her with a size 16. and.
0: Yeah, and a 2.8. Yep. Yep. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. uh, That's pretty much what I tie on, 2.833s. Yep. I mean.
1: I mean, I do have a box of heavy artillery. Yeah, I do too, but. When we get a good bit of rain and the cricks are cruising, but all in all, even if they're still cruising, you can back up and fish the edge.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely.
1: In the softer water. Yep. And that's, that's what you want to be doing anyway. anyway. Yep. Yep. That's another show in itself we just talked about. That is. We
0: we've brought that up on different podcasts. Yeah.
1: High murky water.
0: Yep. I love fishing it. I used to hate it. I used to. It's funny how much the how much we've changed just mm. in the last couple of years because of who we fish with and and how we've learned to fish and
1: and how many days we wasted we could have been oh, out no fishing doubt. and we were sitting at him waiting for the water to go down clear up fish ain't gonna hit anyway
0: now I now I watch the weather and look for the rain oh yes and say okay I'm gonna be out and fishing till it rains
1: gonna drive by the creek yeah. check the clarity. <laughs> okay five o'clock this evening it should be good
0: then as soon as it stops you want to get on the water while it's still green and going up Mm -hmm. because that's when they're hammering because they know it's coming so they're feasting and everything's getting washed downstream so it's a big smorgasbord smorgasbord. yeah and then when it turns chocolate milk that's when you have time to rest
1: yep go home
0: You go home for the chocolate milk yeah and come out the next day yeah come out the next day (laughs) Just before it starts getting green, when it's still just brown, not chocolate milk, but brown before kind of green, cloudy, yeah,
1: cloudy look,
0: yeah, that's when you get back at it and you start catching the fish again because then they're hungry because they just went a day and a half <laughs> after the smorgasbord. So
1: it is crazy, it's definitely crazy how we've changed our techniques,
0: yeah, definitely. I mean, I used to wait for it to get nice and green, oh, yes, yeah, oh, yeah. And then you really limited yourself, like in the summertime, you really limited yourself to a couple hours of good fishing, actually, you know, a day, but.
1: Well, that, and you probably legitimately cut your days in half of fishing time. Oh, definitely. You know, in a year, I mean, wow.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. We've learned a lot.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Hmm. Anyhow, we got way off the subject of so let's get back on that
1: imagine that
0: yeah so after saying great i have silhouette wrote down and i think that's the biggest one of the biggest keys and that's a hard one for some people to get to i know i had a discussion with a guy uh, a incredible caster dry fly fisherman old school nympher does drop shot and stuff like that and we were talking about a pertagon and pertagon is one of the ones that i always bring up for silhouette and He's like, I just can't understand that Pertagon. I don't get it. I I just don't see how it catches fish. And I tell people, I told him, I said, I tell people all the time when I'm guiding, I pick up a stone, I turn that stone over, and what's it covered with? It's covered with mayflies. Yep, little mayflies. Little mayflies. And I say, you set that Pertagon on that rock right beside one of those mayflies, and it's the exact same silhouette.
1: That's because they're big at the head and big at the head and tail.
0: Yeah, yep, exactly. And roach stones are like that, and but that's I'm,
1: that's why they work.
0: That it's exactly why they work. And he and the guy's like, yeah, but it don't have any legs or anything. And I was like, who cares? I said. He said, well, he he said, well, what happens if it's sideways or turning through the water? I said, any fly that rolls through the water is going to be turning, and it's always going to be seen at a different angle. You know, if a if a if a nymph gets knocked off a rock, and it's flowing through the current, it's going to be rolling through the current. And it's going to be caught by that fish's eye at all different kind of silhouettes as it's going by. So that pertagon makes the perfect silhouette of a mayfly.
1: That and to me, like you just said, I tie a lot of pertagons now on jig hooks. Yeah. And everybody was under the biggest misconception that jig hooks ride point up all the time.
0: They do, but they don't.
1: They do, but they don't. Yeah. They will tumble. They will, exactly. And guys are always... That was a big debate there for a while. Where do you put the wing case? On the back? On the belly?
0: Yeah, behind behind the behind the eye of the hook because that's a, would be technically the top of the fly if it's riding correctly.
1: I tie mine on top so then when you flip it over, invert it, it is wrong.
0: I'll be honest. <laughs> I don't put a wing case on it.
1: I still do. I, I don't know. I just...
0: I've got away from it because I, you know, I've heard that debate and thought about it. And I was like, well, who cares if you have one or not? Yeah. Who cares if you have one or not?
1: The fish really don't care. No. It's coming by so fast and they're hungry. Yep. And it's either eat it or not. Yeah. And
0: and I totally think that the silhouette is more important than the color of the fly.
1: No doubt. I agree with that.
0: So, for me, I think the silhouette ranks way, way up there.
1: Yeah. It's important.
0: What do we got after that one?
1: Size.
0: And, And, again, important, but not important. Like, if you're fishing, say you're fishing the sulfur hatch, it's the 14 sulfur hatch. You want something close to that. But, there's other fish that's in the stream... Green drakes come off.
1: They're huge.
0: Yeah. Green drakes are huge. Green drakes are size 10s, size 8s. Okay. But how often have you ever fished the green drakes and not caught on the green drakes but you caught on the on the mayfly that's coming off at yeah. the same time?
1: That that's true.
0: You know, so size is important, but it's not as important. Size is more important. I think size is more dictated by clarity of water.
1: To me, winter, cold, yeah. yeah. But even in the winter, yeah, you're gonna have crystal clear water most of the time in yeah. the winter. And yeah, I would agree with you on that. In the winter time here, we have our most of our creeks are really clear, and they're cold. So I would say size that would be when size definitely. I mean.
0: Yeah, I that, mean that's given. Yeah, I, th- I think size is important. Like. And where I'm thinking size is really important, when season first opens in the spring, early spring here, April for us, you can throw whatever you want. Those stockfish are going to eat it. Oh, yeah. And most of what I'm throwing in is 14s, maybe some 12s, but mostly in around the 14, the 12 range. But when June rolls around, there's nothing in my box over a size 16. 16,
1: 18. It's
0: 16 and 18. So size is very important for the time of year, and the water conditions, you know. For example, water conditions. What I'm saying, if it's crystal clear and it's June, I got an 18 on. If it's June and rain just blew through, and I'm fishing
1: murky. Uh, yeah,
0: I'm, and I'm in a hole that I'm thinking of right now on on Yellow Creek. That's a big deep hole. I got a 14 going with a big heavy bead, sinking me down to the bottom of that hole as quickly as I can. So you know, it could still be the same time of the year, but water conditions could dictate a oh, bigger yeah. fly.
1: Yeah, I agree with that.
0: So size is important, but not. I don't think it's as important as other other things on there. And I think lastly, in a euro nymph, is imitative qualities, imitating, a match the hatch, like we just talked about earlier.
1: I'll agree with that. Yeah, it's. You tie a lot of bugs in Euro that really, they resemble. But when you first start fly fishing, you're taught you want to match the hatch. Yep. And then when you start tying Euro, you want to imitate.
0: You know, so many, when you begin fly tying and you take a, tu in class or something like that
1: gotta have legs
0: yeah you know you gotta have it's it's old school Mm -hmm. you know feathered legs and stuff like that but a lot of wet flies the stuff that's easy to tie the stuff where you're teaching techniques which is correct the correct way to do it and i'm not downing that at all but they're teaching you patterns the local patterns the local flies that come off when you get into Euro nymph, it's a different train of thought just a completely different technique and
1: you can mix it up <clears throat> i was thinking offhand the creek i fish right beside the house there the other year i was fishing it and i was fishing a pertagon on the bottom and then up top on my dropper i went with your partridge and flash because mm-hmm. i was letting my flies come out of the drift there wasn't a whole lot of room to set in the creek it was very hard to fish you know, setting a hook wise. And I was letting the flies come out of the drift almost like a wet fly.
0: Yeah, and rise.
1: And that's when they were pounding it. Yep. I mean, hard. Yep. I mean, I was still catching them in the hole. But when you were coming out of the hole, should have been ready to cast. That's when they were really pounding it. And I ended up switching over. I mean, you could still use wet flies and stuff like that. You can integrate it into your Euro. Oh,
0: no doubt. No doubt. And it'll work. Yeah, definitely.
1: But then again I also did the same thing with France flies. <laughs> Just kinda let them come up off the bottom and float through and, and that worked too.
0: Yeah, that's one thing that I do probably I don't I don't know. Well and I'll say this. My son and I, I often compare my son Colton, his style of fishing to my style of fishing. And he catches way more fish than me because he sets the hook on everything. And I tend to, you know, be more analytical. I always say and think, ah, rock, rock, rock. Ah, maybe a fish. I'll set the hook. But he's like, ah, rocks at the hook, rocks at the hook. You know, and he catches more fish because they're not all rocks. Some of them are fish. But I tend to catch more below my drift where he's never getting into.
1: Yeah, because he's done picked up. Yeah, yeah, he's
0: already on to another cast, and so I tend to fish a lot more below the drift than he, he is fishing. So uh, maybe that's the old wet school, old school, wet fly fisherman in me. Who knows? But
1: well, it's your, uh, you're breaking all the rules. Yeah, I know. So. breaking all the rules. <laughs> Even with your flies. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but yeah, imitative quality. I mean, there's a time like right now, this time of year on yellow Creek, one of the flies is that's big out there is a black fly larva. But, you know, for me, a black fly larva is a is a white zebra midge. It, it's simple.
1: Yeah, no doubt. It's definitely simple.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, you know, and why a black fly larva is is white, I don't know. But I, you know, I've tied, I've tied them white with uh, like I did in my video, and I've caught lots of fish on it. It works. But I've also caught a lot of fish on a white zebra midge, which sinks a lot quicker.
1: So. I haven't got to fish it. Hoping to this weekend, probably going to Yellow Creek. It's the only place that has water close yeah. by, and definitely give it a whirl. I heard rumor that nothing from Red Bank down produces fish. <laughs> you have to go to Red Bank and go up to catch fish this time of the year. And I'm thinking, hmm, yeah,
0: yeah. I think you can catch them all through there, but you just you got to work for it.
1: Yeah, no doubt. It's heavily fished. Yeah. A lot me, of people.
0: Me, I'll just go downstream and stay out of the fly zone.
1: <laughs> I like the challenge.
0: Yeah. I like to, too. But, anyway, I, I think we really covered the URI pretty good. And I, Is there anything else you can think of that you look for in a
1: URI fly? No. Because, well, even pertagons, we'll touch base on that. We talked a lot about pertagons. When I first started Time Pertagons, a lot of Pertagons were flashy. Yeah. Yep. You wanted that flash. And that even goes back to the glow, you know, the glow break we talked about. I got some of that uh, Hen's body, Pertagon body. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. And then I had got some violet, but it was in the smaller size. I think it's like 132nd. Okay. I mean, this stuff is just super thin, It's it's just like a small wire. And I was actually, I had tied it in at the tail on some of my perdigons just to give it a little flash right at the tail. And I don't know. It's, it's something to play around with from flashy, your hot spots. But it basically, you could just keep it simple. Olives, I, browns.
0: I really, honestly, I really toned down a lot on my flashiness. I tie a lot of flashy flies, but when I got more into the urine thing, it's become a lot of... Smaller and smaller. And a lot of just simple thread bodies. Simple. Yeah. Thread body and a piece of wire. You know, just anything simple so you can get out on the water fishing.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Spend more time on the water. Less time tying.
0: Yeah. Because I don't have much time either.
1: Make it quick. Make it simple.
0: Yep. I think we covered that. I think we beat that horse pretty good. No
1: doubt. No doubt.
0: So, anyhow, that was a good podcast. I, I really enjoyed that. Um, we're going to try to come up with some other good ideas. You know, reach out to us if you guys have any ideas on things that you would like to hear us discuss. And, uh, we're really looking forward to what we got coming this season. You know, like we said, going to get some good guests on here. Got some big name guys lined up that we just have to reach out to. And, uh, it's going to be a good season. I'm looking at getting back into it and getting back regular. It was nice having the summer off and getting some things done, actually. We're sitting in one of those things that happened this summer. We're sitting in our new podcast new home podcast here. New podcast room. Yeah, we got no distractions, all nice and quiet here. It's going to be nice. Yeah, we it's going to be our little party shack. but
1: Actually, there's not much of an echo. and Actually, the room right now at this point is kind of empty. So until it gets... Fill up, paint it a little bit, you know, yeah. carpet. Yeah, I gonna, mean, it's going to quiet down.
0: Yeah, it's a, uh, I don't, you guys don't know. A lot of times, guys will come into the shop. It's funny, but they'll come into the shop and this doesn't look like on his video. Where does he shoot <laughs> his videos at? And uh, I always get joked about it. Uh, I tie my videos in my bedroom. And uh, so my, my fly tying studio is going to be moving out here to the podcast and fly tying studio. We're going to have a, Separate little area for that, and we got a table here all lined up, dedicated to our podcast and stuff, so we're we're moving on up here.
1: Don't have to move the equipment every time we need it. Yes,
0: that's going to be nice. That's going to be a plus. Yes, so we're looking forward to that nice setup, easy to go, and ready to go for next week, so. That's it. Can't wait to get some good guests in here sitting around a table that doesn't squeak.
1: And we have some good guests lined up, so, yep. It's going to be a good year.
0: Looking forward to it. So uh, reach out to us on social media. We're going to, you know, fire the Instagram page back up here again and get back into this, this season and kick things off. So thanks for tuning in again today. And like I said, reach out on our social media at Facebook. Join our group on Facebook and, uh, you know, interact with us. You can talk about the podcast there or share your flies, whatever you like to do. It, it's a really good group. It's grown a lot here lately. Oh, yes. It's grown a lot. And uh, Pat does a lot more moder- moderating on there than I do, so.
1: But we don't have to. Yeah. We have a really good group of guys there, and 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 gals. I yep. will say we have, you know, men and women. There's a lot of respect there. We just don't have the problems.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a good group. It's great for beginners to learn, ask questions, and stuff like that. And that's what we wanted it to be. And it's it's really turned out to be that. And so. And that's one of the things we're going to do that one of you kind of touched on there. Um, We're going to try to bring more women into the sport this year. We're going to have a few shows. Um, Hopefully I can find the lost episodes, we'll call them. (laughs) We have a really good guest on there if I can find that. But, you know, go back and listen to the one with Nicole March. That was a great episode. Yes. Yes. And, um Trace, Tracy, Tracy, Tracy yes. McAfuse. She, she was a great episode, but we're going to have some other women on here that are very instrumental in the fly fishing industry. And uh, so we're looking forward to that and, you know, trying to bring some new blood in and revitalize the sport and, you know, bring it up to speed cool the way of the future. It is, it is. And honestly, like my wife, we're going to Alaska next weekend. My wife's going to be there in a pair of waiters right beside me. She's going to be filming a lot I hope but
1: she's going to be looking for bears the whole time. Yeah, she
0: will. She's not going to be concentrating on the fishing. Yeah, She's
1: like, you fish, I'll watch. Yeah,
0: (laughs) but she's going to be fishing with me too. So that's good. Yeah. So I'm going to have, I'm having a lot of fun with this. It's been a, it's been a good life I've been blessed with. So I can't complain.
1: I can't complain either. Things are definitely getting better and better.
0: That's good. So thanks for listening to us, everybody. And, uh, Join us around the podcast here next time as we bring it to you. And uh, can't, wait to, can't wait till next time.
1: Yep. See you next time. See you later.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of the Bugs and Beard podcast. This podcast was brought to you by com. Head on over to the website for all your fly fishing and fly tying needs. Plus, you can also find a link there to the Hulsinger's Fly Shop YouTube channel. The channel is full of information with over 250 videos covering fly tying and fly fishing techniques geared towards making your time on the water more enjoyable. From all of us here at the Bugs and Beard Podcast, we hope you will subscribe to our channel and tune in next week as we discuss the sport we love so well. Until next time, get out there on the water and tight lines.